Hello, and welcome to Election Watch, a brand new series brought to you from the Politics Unboxed podcast and beyond. It's a new series, a new podcast, but the same host. I'm Reese, and I'm looking forward greatly to bringing you this series over the next however long we can possibly get this to run for. Um, for this opening episode, I'm going to be on my own, but hopefully over the next few weeks, months, and again, however it can run, uh, we will have plenty of guests to bring you on the show. This episode, we're going to kick off with a little bit of an overview of what the podcast is going to be, and then we're going to dive straight in to the French presidential election first round. But let's kick it all off with a title sequence. Election Watch. So, yes, hello and welcome to Election Watch. Brand new podcast for a brand new cycle of elections because as we head into 2022, I suddenly realised I wasn't keeping a close enough eye on any of the things that were going on in and around the world of elections in particular with some of the major European elections that have been happening. We completely missed the Hungarian election. We completely missed several other elections up and down uh, the United Kingdom and the world. But now we're going to dive straight into it, hopefully um, with a series that can go on forever and ever. Well, not forever and ever, of course. That would be a little bit boring. Um, But for, for a good while, so we can tackle big elections across not only 2022, maybe even into 2023 so this is election watch um no bother looking at different news stories anything like that we're just going to be focused pure and simple on elections who's running what do they stand for we'll try and get some guests on to discuss this um we'll get some people with partisan opinions we'll get some people with more neutral apolitical opinions so just have a look at the overall situation and see how it goes i for one I'm very excited to have a look at the sheer breadth of elections that we are going to have available to us to analyse over the course of this year. Um, yep, there goes half the audience already. They've they've seen that we're staying around maybe even for a year and they've turned tail and fled. But don't worry, hopefully we will be keeping the rest of you very much engaged over the course of each and every episode where we'll try and tackle some of the elections that don't get the headlines. No danger of an election that doesn't get the headlines in this one, however, because for our first episode, we are kicking off with something that, as I sit here recording it, happened only yesterday. It is, of course, the French presidential election first round 2022. Uh, that happening on the 10th of April. France's presidential elections, of course, happening on um, well, on a Sunday. Not quite sure how I feel about that, but it's something that's been going on for quite a while. But here we are. Possibly the biggest election in Europe this year for France's presidency. And Emmanuel Macron is going to be into the second round. So first off, I've used the word second round already and I haven't really explained how the French presidential elections work. So let's go straight into that one. It's over two stages. So for the first stage, um, what you have to do to qualify for that is stump up a certain amount of a deposit Uh, I can't quite remember how much it is. I think it's 100,000 euros or so, maybe a bit less, and get 500 signatures on a ballot to prove that you have 
some level of support in the country and that you have the means to, to pull off uh, an election campaign. And for this election, 12 candidates made it on to the ballot. Emmanuel Macron running for La République en Marche. He is the incumbent president. Marine Le Pen for Rassemblement National. Now, she got to the final two last time round in 2017. Um, Running for Les Républicains, the traditional centre-right party, was Valérie Pécresse. Uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, he ran again uh, for La France Insoumise. Uh, Anne Hidalgo, she ran for Parti Socialiste, the traditional centre-left party. Uh, and then you had a, a smattering of, of new candidates. Eric Zemmour running for Reconquête. Um, Yannick Jadot for Europe Ecologie Les Verts, who are France's version of the Green Party. Uh, and then... A handful of, of other candidates, um, Jean Lassalle, a veteran um, French, I suppose, member of parliament. They're, they're called deputies to the National Assembly, but I'll probably use member of parliament fairly interchangeably with um, um, deputy to the National Assembly. Uh, we had Roussel, who's running as a brand new party. Very interesting candidate there. Um, Artaud, Poutou and Dupont-Aignan. Um, an interesting name for me to get my teeth around. But for the main part, we'll be focused on Macron, Le Pen, Pécresse, Mélenchon, and then Zemmour, Jadot, and Hidalgo. So those are the names you're going to have to get yourselves nice and used to over the course of this podcast. Let's start with, with some of the, the winners, the big winners in this first round of the French presidential election. Because that first round... Uh, if no one gets over 50% of the vote, then the top two get siphoned off and they're sent away to a second round in two weeks' time. That's going to happen on the 24th of April. So spoiler alert for anyone who hadn't found out, no one's won the French presidential election yet. But there are two people who remain in the hunt for the key to the Elysee Palace, which is uh, where the French president lives. And they are the incumbent, Emmanuel Macron, who's been embattled and, and dogged by, um, well, some, some poor popular opinion. And then there is Marine Le Pen running for Rassemblement National, and she's got in there as well. It's a direct comparison. It's side by side exactly what happened in 2017, Macron versus Le Pen. Macron, uh, on current count, I'm using figures from Politico here, they uh, they've, they've got theirs, though, from the, the French Interior Ministry, so I'm hoping that they're right, given that the Interior Ministry is sort of responsible for running the French presidential election. Macron sat on 27.8% of the vote, and Marine Le Pen on 23.2% of the vote. So not a resounding endorsement of either candidate, but enough to get them into the head-to-head, -head, which is all you need from this first round. Um... We're going to park Macron and Le Pen for just a little bit, though, and turn to some of the other candidates, because there are stories up and down the ballot in this particular one. And I want to save Macron and Le Pen for, for the end of the podcast so we can give it a little bit of a, a tease leading up to the, the big one, the head-to-head, -head, the runoff in two weeks' time on the 24th of April. Another Sunday. Hmm. Let's talk about the person who came third. And it's Jean-Luc Mélenchon running for La France Insoumise, this left-wing uh, firebrand, I guess you can call him a firebrand, um, sort of in the mould of a Jeremy Corbyn or, or a Bernie Sanders. He is 
uh, an older candidate, I believe the oldest of all the candidates running uh, this time. He's over 70 years old, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, and yet he has quite a good cut through with the, the youth votes, as you've seen with Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn in their respective left-wing pushes. Uh, now, Jean-Luc Mélenchon has been around for years. He used to be a member of the Parti Socialiste, um, who is France's traditional centre-left party for, for people in the UK. Think of that as um, the Labour Party for America. Well, it's like the left wing of the Democrats. Okay, in the two-party system, the Democrats occupy the lefter, the, the more leftward space, but I, I'm, I'm not sure if many people would call them overtly left-wing in their entirety. Uh, Mélenchon would comfortably exist on a similar space to Jeremy Corbyn and to Bernie Sanders. Um, maybe even a little bit further left than than Sanders, probably not further left than Corbyn. And Jean-Luc Mélenchon, he has ended this first round of the ballot with 22% of the vote. Now, all the votes have been cast. There's no expectation for this to change at all. Mélenchon, 22% of the vote. It's better than he got last time. Last time round, he came fourth with 19.6% of the vote. Um, so he's improved his his representation, but crucially, he has not got through to the final two. He hasn't made it into the runoff. Now, Mélenchon, he's, he's not your traditional left-wing candidate in the centre-left mould. As I've said, he's more of a Corbyn or a Sanders, which means a handful of his voters, or quite a few of his voters, could be seen as just overall anti-establishment, and they found Mélenchon to be the best avenue for it. Which could become a problem for Emmanuel Macron. Now, as as with... I'm going to go through the list of all the candidates who've, who've failed to, to get into the runoff. Um, as with the rest of them, Mélenchon has made a statement about how he would like his first-round voters to vote in the second round. That's the beauty of having them a couple of weeks apart. You don't have to make a decision on the day of the first ballot you can make your, your first round vote however you want. And if they get through, great, you get to vote for them again. But if they don't get through, then you get to reassess based on the two candidates who run through and get to that runoff, rather than just making that decision based on, well, I think Mélenchon's my favourite, so, and then on the day I'm going to put Hidalgo of Parti Socialiste. Because if you'd done that, then you'd have found that neither of your votes would have counted in, in the final totals. Because in the runoff, Hidalgo's not there, Mélenchon's not there. That's a great thing about the French system. You get the chance to, to reset and think, well, I've only got two votes. I'll cast my first vote for who I really want, and I'll cast my, my second preference vote if my first preference is no longer there. Well, then, I'll do that two weeks later based on who I think is better out of the two. Or I won't vote, which we will come on to talk about abstentions and blank votes. We will talk about that in a little bit. But Mélenchon... With his anti-establishment sort of figure and image, some of his voters might be tempted to vote for Marine Le Pen in the runoff. Well, Jean-Luc Mélenchon was keen to head that thought, those notions, off at the pass. He was adamant in his uh, speech after he realised and it was discovered that he would not make it through to the final runoff. He said, you must not give your vote to Marine Le Pen. Now, that's an interesting way of putting it, because Mélenchon has not said, you must vote for Emmanuel Macron. He's just said, you must not give your vote 
to Marine Le Pen. It's an interesting way of, of looking at it. Mélenchon has clearly realised that of the two, Macron is far more likely to gain the easy votes from his supporters if they were going to go either way between Macron and Marine Le Pen. Just because Macron is closer to where Mélenchon is. Macron's a very centrist politician, Marine Le Pen far right, um, slowly notionally bringing herself further into the centre-right, but again, we'll talk about that a little bit closer to the end of the podcast. Um, it's debatable whether or not she's actually making any substantial or substantive changes to bring herself closer in to the centre of French politics, or is it just a bit of window dressing? Uh, but Mélenchon's saying explicitly, do not vote for Marine Le Pen, which may dissuade some of those anti-establishment figures from voting for Le Pen. It might not convince them to vote for Macron, um, but it, it might just say, well, I'm not going to vote for Le Pen, I won't vote in the second round. Which actually, there was a poll done, um, I think it was by Ipsos Mori, uh, in, in France, of people who were going to vote for Jean-Luc Mélenchon in the first round, where were they thinking of voting in the second round if he didn't make it, because the polls were saying it was going to be Macron versus Le Pen anyway, um, and there was about 35% of people who voted for Mélenchon in the first round who said, well, I just wouldn't vote if he didn't make it through. Um, there's no point. I'm not going to pick between Macron and Le Pen. Um, the lesser of two evils isn't worth voting for. I may as well not vote. Which is an interesting way of looking at it, but it seems to be almost tacitly what Mélenchon is suggesting here. Anyway, that's it for Jean-Luc Mélenchon. I'm not sure whether we'll ever see him again in frontline French politics. Um, as I say, he's, he's quite old. He's over 70 now. In five years' time, I think he'll be about 76. Um... I don't see him running again for, for the French presidency in 2027. And if he does, I don't see him winning it. Personally, I, I think this this last two sets of election cycles may well have been his best shot at the presidency. But that does not mean that La France Insoumise, the movement he's created, will necessarily flounder. We've seen, um, with Marine Le Pen making it to the runoff twice in a row, that there are opportunities for people from the further extremes of the, the wings of French politics to make inroads to make ground. And now, with Macron, ostensibly being a centrist politician, making it through, Le Pen making it into second, and Mélenchon into third, the big three parties are no longer the traditional parties of French politics. That's big for France. And that means that whilst Mélenchon is probably spent, maybe the future of his movement and of his party is looking bright. We'll have to wait and see. One person, though, whose personal future and the future of their party is not looking particularly bright at all is Eric Zemmour. Now, he is uh, or was sort of one of these shock jocks, the, the people who, who go on to radio and TV and host their own shows and have controversial opinions. Um, he's known for his big talking points, talking points around Islam. Uh, he's, he's been reported as anti-Islamic. Now, I, I haven't listened to any of the things he said. I, I wouldn't be able to understand it if he did. I don't know um, if my level of French comprehension would stand up to it. But over the course of the campaign trail, some of his literature, he is further right-wing than Marine Le Pen. And his party, Reconquête, they gambled hard on the success of Marine Le Pen in 2017, potentially being a one-off and allowing Eric Zemmour to cleave the social divisions of France and reap the benefits, in a similar way to Marine Le Pen doing that in 2017. Um, 
It has not worked. Eric Zemmour is going to walk away from this French presidential election with 7.1% of the vote. Now, that's less than half of what he was polling at a month and a half ago. It's a big drop-off from Eric Zemmour. What kneecapped his campaign has appeared to be the Russian invasion of Ukraine, as well as people looking at the campaigns more closely, as you do. Um, when, when the election is still three months, six months out, you look at the campaigns and go, well, I'll have a little bit of a look, but I might not rule anyone out unless you were adamant in who you're voting for. When it gets to two months, one month, two weeks to voting, you start looking very closely at what the campaigns have to offer. And if you don't see what you like in there, or perhaps more pertinently for Eric Zemmour, if you actively see what you don't like in a campaign, well, then those poll numbers are going to drop off a cliff like nobody's business. And that's exactly what Zemmour's poll numbers did. He banked hard on on being able to um, time his his split of of the French electoral system or the French electorate. But um, this this is a bad one for Eric Zemmour. He really captured the. 2021, the sort of autumn um, campaign season novelty in the media. It was it was like the non-stop coverage of Trump. It really was. Um, except Zemmour's popularity peaked just about when he made his candidacy official. He was able to make his public presence, massive, all the way through from when he was being touted as a candidate back in February last year, 2021, um, all the way through in a, in a will he, won't he, oh, is he going to run, is he not going to run, he's going to run, he's not, oh. and then he kept all his columns, he kept his, his panel shows, he, he kept his radio things, and then it all sort of went away from it, which was... I mean, undoubtedly horrific timing from Eric Zemmour. Now, he he, he really was seemingly a, a single-issue campaigner. He led this monolithic, hegemonic campaign around immigration and identity, um, France for the French sort of thing. And then... His support for, for Vladimir Putin just days before the invasion of Ukraine really did not happen. It really did not um, push him into electability. And it just turns out that immigration and identity aren't the big issues in France anymore. And that's why Marine Le Pen's had a, a little bit of a rebrand. Um, but it's purchasing power. It's the value of the euro in the French person's pocket. As Bill Clinton's advisor once said, it's the economy, stupid. Now, Reconquête, the party founded to push Zemmour through to the the second round, are, well, running around like a headless chicken right now. It is a hodgepodge of defectors from Rassemblement National, the party of Marine Le Pen, and Les Républicains, the, the traditional centre-right party, currently led by Valérie Pécresse, but I would not think for much longer. We'll get on to that in a little bit. Um, there's a couple of Christian Conservative parties. 
identitarian parties, and they almost certainly will not agree on the party's strategy post-defeat. Um, Eric Zemmour, a lot of his campaign was spent taking votes away from Marine Le Pen. He's turned full circle. Vote for Marine Le Pen. There we go. Vote for Marine Le Pen is what Eric Zemmour is now saying, despite using the last year and a bit to try and cream votes away from the Rassemblement National candidate uh, and leader. But according to one senior Raconquette member, they always believed they would be in the second round, and they willingly went into intellectual denial about it. That's a quote given to um, Playbook Paris. Uh, That quote went on to say, that the party has no visibility over what Eric, that being Eric Zemmour, has on his mind. I don't know, maybe Reconquête is not destined to be around for much longer. But Eric Zemmour? Maybe. Maybe he will stay around a little bit. Because he can still help to shape the news cycles. Just like Trump, a very Trumpian populist campaign, he was able to shape the news cycles. A few weeks ago, he put the spotlight onto the death of Jeremy Cohen. And that forced almost everyone else in the race, especially the right-wing candidates, or the centrist candidates, everyone up to Macron, certainly, to move and battle him on the topics of law and order. So that is Eric Zemmour. A flash in the pan? Perhaps. Will he stay around? Probably not. Someone who really should not have been a flash in the pan, but was, Valérie Pécresse. The candidate for the presidency for Les Républicains is walking away with less than 5% of the vote. To put into context, Les Républicains is the party of Chirac, one of the, the totemic French presidential figures, and one of the, the last president to... to successfully be re-elected back in 2002, which is an election I'm going to draw a lot of comparisons to over the course of this podcast. Do not you worry. Um, The party of Sarkozy, the most recent Le Republican president, 2007 to 2012, and even last time around, even though they failed to reach the final two for, for the first time in decades, they came third. Only 1.3% behind Marine Le Pen on 20% compared to Marine Le Pen's 21.3% under candidate François Fillon, who almost got in. He was so close. It was only uh, a scandal that was referred to as Penelope Gate, uh, which involved him giving lucrative jobs to his wife, um, lucrative jobs that came funded from the public purse, uh, and a couple of other family members and friends That's what sunk his campaign in the end. Valérie Pécresse, well, her campaign, if Fillon sank, then Pécresse has been sucked into the mantle of the earth, maybe all the way to the core. To get less than 5% as one of, traditionally, the two major parties, um, formerly known as UMP, Union pour un mouvement populaire, or the Union for a Popular Movement, before it was rebranded under Chirac um, in the early 2000s, Les Républicains 
now have a fight to reclaim their election expenses. They've never had to fight for that before. You have to get over 5% to have your election expenses paid for by the state. 4.8%? Uh-uh. Valérie Pécresse is left, according to, um, well, according to her own statement, the party is left with a debt, or the campaign, rather, is uh, left with a debt of 7 million euros. And um, according to her, in a, an interview she gave to Pool Reporters earlier today, the financial situation of my campaign is critical. I am personally indebted to the tune of 5 million euros. Wowee. One of the big parties in French history. This is, this is like the Conservative Party. Um, turning around and saying, hang on, we're now, what, fifth? Fourth? And we need more of your money. Because otherwise we might well go under. Election spending um, in France is tightly regulated. First round presidential candidates are unable to spend more than 16.9 million euros. And the state reimburses all those who win over 5% of the votes up to 8 million euros. If you get less than that, you get about 800,000 euros. Wowie. Valérie Pécresse is quite clearly in the red, despite her party being in the blue. Uh, and it's a very, very blue feeling around Les Républicains, who banked on Pécresse. She actually left the party after François Fillon. She left in about um, 2018 to form a, a breakaway group that has since been readopted back into Les Républicains. Um, it looks like she will not be welcomed back with open arms after leading Les Républicains to their worst um, presidential election result ever. Ever. Um, it's quite astounding, given that at one point, um, in fact, I talked about this on a, a show I've got on Expression FM, uh, Exeter's campus radio station, where I talk about politics. At one point, she was second in the polls. She was ahead of Le Pen, ahead of Zemmour, ahead of Mélenchon. Um, she was up at 17%. She was going to go into a, a tight two-way battle with Emmanuel Macron because her campaign was only picking up speed, according to those around her. And she doesn't even get 5% of the vote. Ouch. That one's got a sting for Valérie Pécresse, especially because Marine Le Pen has been encroaching on her turf. She's been encroaching. Pécresse was, at one point, shown as this Thatcher, Merkel, but French. And now, sure, she turned into... Well, I don't even know what to say that she's, she's turned into, because it's just not an electable force, Les Républicains. Marine Le Pen has eaten into the right wing of Les Républicains and Emmanuel Macron has taken chunks out of the left wing. And that party is in a dire financial situation. Another party looking for, um, well, financial reimbursement from the public is Europe Ecologie Les Verts, led by Yannick Jadot, who scored 4.6%. Again, so close, tantalisingly close to that reimbursement figure. Um, he has said, the party needs your financial support to continue its essential fights. I ask you to, to access the Support Ecologists site to make a donation. 
Wowie. Um, Jadot has apparently spent about 2.2 million pound, uh, euros, sorry, up to April the 2nd. So that last week of the election, those expenses a little bit unknown. Um, again, still much more than the 800,000 um, the 800,000 euros that the French government will reimburse. But Yannick Jadot, he was never expected to win. He was probably never expected to get in to the second round. So this will hurt him substantially less. Um, what will hurt him is the fact that Jean-Luc Mélenchon polled so well. When you would have thought that with the environment, the issue that it is, Lever would have taken some votes away from uh, La France Insoumise, who haven't always had the most positive of headlines around them, and also from Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who personally, again, he's an older candidate who you would have thought might not um, grab the attention of the younger voters where a lot of Europe Ecologie Les Verts voters lie. Well, he did, and it came at cost to the Green Party. They didn't run a candidate in 2017, so this 4.6% entry is actually quite good for them. But it's not good enough for where they wanted to be, and they've been left needing money. One party out of the big two, though, who hasn't found themselves needing money, Parti Socialiste, the traditional left-wing party, France's equivalent of the Labour Party. Anne Hidalgo, their candidate, well, it's not good. It is the lowest ever score given uh, not a score, lowest ever percentages of a vote given to Parti Socialiste. 1.8% of the vote. This is from the party of François Hollande. Sorry, François Hollande. I got in trouble for saying François Hollande once. Um, François Hollande, he was the last president before Emmanuel Macron. And now, just two election cycles after he left office, the Parti Socialiste are under 2% of the vote. Now, they say that there is no debt to be reimbursed. The party's first secretary, Oliver Olivier Faure, has said there is no bankruptcy, as many would have liked. But this does not mean that the Parti Socialiste are in a good place. They really are not. Um, it's awful. It's, it's awful. I mean, Parti Socialiste went into 2017 as a neck-and-neck favourite alongside Les Républicains. In 2017, they came out with 6.4% of the vote, uh, the vote under Benoit Hamon. Um, now they're coming out with a third of that. Less than a third of that, 1.8% of the vote. It's incredible to look at how far that party has fallen. The party of, um, of Mitterrand, of Hollande, of a, of a succession of French Presidents, Parti Socialiste, look like they're dead in the water. Outflanked on the left by Mélenchon and Europe Ecologie Les Verts and Jadot. Outflanked on the right by Emmanuel Macron and La République En Marche. Whilst they may not be bankrupt, does not look like they'll be heading back to the Elysee Palace any time soon. Other candidates who... Um, didn't get much, um, as I said before, Jean Lassalle, 3.1% of the vote. Um, the extreme right-wing candidate, um, Nicolas Dupont-Aignan, 
less than he got last time. It was 4.7% of the vote in 2017, down to 2.1% of the vote. Uh, Nathalie Artaud, she didn't get much. She did not get much at all, 0.6% of the vote. And then a smattering of other um, candidates around there. Of the 12 candidates who ran, only four will receive the full 8 million euro reimbursement for getting over 5%. Macron, Le Pen, Mélenchon and Zemmour. The rest, Pécresse, Hidalgo, Dupont-Aignan, Lassalle, Putu, Artaud, Jadot and Roussel will get just 800,000 euros. Some of them may well go under. We're looking at Pécresse, we're looking at Jadot. But all of them will be left licking their wounds. Even Eric Zemmour, who banked and risked a lot on this election and has not come out looking good or looking in a strong position, he will come out licking his wounds. There are only three candidates who can even half-claim victory in this election. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who, despite being written off earlier in the campaign, has come through into third place, will be annoyed that he didn't manage to convert that into a second place, but very happy to have made it into third. But the big two, the two we now need to turn almost all of our attention to, are Emmanuel Macron, the incumbent president, who comes away with 27.8% of the vote, and Marine Le Pen for Rassemblement National, the, well, I guess the opposition. 23.2% of the vote, and Macron's direct rival in the final round. It's a repeat of 2017. That time around, Macron won with about two-thirds of the vote to Le Pen getting about a third of the vote. This time, oh, it does not look like it is going to be... Uh, that distant. But here we go, Marine Le Pen pushing hard. The latest polls I've seen on the uh, BBC website, they put the runoff. Well, it's going to be close. The most recent opinion poll from IFOP Fiduciel pour TF1, which is one of the the French stations, TF1, um, has put Emmanuel Macron at 51% of the vote, Marine Le Pen at 49% of the vote. Squeaky bum time for the French president, but France has its kingmakers. Ironic to, to use that phrase um, in a country with a less than cosy relationship with monarchy, shall we say. The kingmaker looks to be Jean-Luc Mélenchon. As I said, 22% of the votes, they make up a fifth of the electorate, or a fifth of the voters. Mélenchon could, or his voters could, decide the final round. But an abstention does look likely. Not everyone has uh, has voted in this election. Out of the 48.7 million people registered, 12.8 million abstained. Now that sounds like a brilliant number. 74, nearly 74% of people voting. That's brilliant. I mean, when you take out blank votes and um, invalid votes, then you come down to 72% of people who could vote being able to vote. Uh, sorry, who are able to vote actually voting. It still sounds a lot better than some of the, U- uh, the UK elections. But turnout is down by about 4% on what we saw last time around. Um, 
it's nowhere near the lowest turnout. That's back in 2002, where Jacques Chirac, he coasted to a victory uh, ahead of his second presidential election. As I say, the last French president to be successfully re-elected. That was back in 59% of the vote, I think. Now we're looking at 72% of the vote. It's good, but it is down. Maybe that shows dissatisfaction with all of the candidates. But with so many protest votes around, Dupont-Aignan, Hidalgo, um, not a protest vote for Hidalgo, sorry, um, Le Pen, Mélenchon, Zemmour, uh, Dupont-Aignan, Roussel, Jadot even. With so many protest votes and protest candidates that you could vote for if you didn't want to vote for Macron or for anyone traditional in the system, I don't know whether we can call it um, not liking Macron or not liking the system. I think it's not being engaged with the system or, or thinking that things are a foregone conclusion. But this is going to be uh, this is going to be close. The second round has a lot riding on it. Mélenchon has 7.7 million voters who will either not vote or vote for Macron or Le Pen. Zemmour has nearly 2.5 million voters who have to do the same. For Pécresse, 1.6 million. Jadot, 1.6 million. La Salle, 1.1 million. And looking down, 800,000 for Rousseau, 725 for Dupont-Aignan. Hidalgo only has 616,000 voters who can uh, choose where they want to go. But it's still enough to just tip the scales one way or another if the uh, original two candidates can't quite make it um, with the, the numbers they have right now, which, of course, they can't. Marine Le Pen, in the course of two weeks, needs to close a gap of 1.6 million votes. That is doable. It is doable. All she has to do is convince some of the... Uh, oh, to convince some of these first-round candidates' voters to split roughly evenly... And she might be able to to close that gap with people who abstained. She's going to scoop up most of Eric Zemmour's voters. That's almost a given. The only ones who won't go to her are the ones who are essentially members of Les Républicains, who are going to follow what Valérie Pécresse told them to do and not vote for Marine Le Pen. Because that's right, it's not just Jean-Luc Mélenchon telling his voters do not vote for Marine Le Pen. Valérie Pécresse said to do it as well. Yannick Jadot... Um, Anne Hidalgo, all of those candidates saying, do not give your vote to Marine Le Pen. Again, not necessarily saying, go give your vote to Emmanuel Macron. And that could be a worry. Because whilst Macron does still look like the favourite, and will scoop up some votes from the Mélenchon camp, from Pécresse, from Jadot, from Hidalgo, um, there are a lot of people out there who will look at that top two and go, well, you know what, I don't fancy either of them. A lot of the Mélenchon camp. Again, they haven't been told, go and vote for Emmanuel Macron. They've been told, go and do not vote for Marine Le Pen. Same from Pécresse, Jadot, Hidalgo. They've all said, do not vote Marine Le Pen in. Now, tacitly, that's the saying, go vote for Emmanuel Macron if you want to. But uh, there's no real ringing endorsement of the French president there. As you would expect. The only ways that people have been given support 
are going to Marine Le Pen, actively given support. And that's from Eric Zemmour saying, go and vote for Marine Le Pen. And Nicolas Dupont-Aignan, go and vote for Marine Le Pen, telling his followers to do that. So, if enough people sit this out, that gap of 1.6 million votes, all you need are, what, 70% of Eric Zemmour's voters? Less than that. Two-thirds of Eric Zemmour's voters get Marine Le Pen over the line if everyone else abstains. Now, I'm not saying that will happen. But if Mélenchon's voters split and Pécresse's voters split and all of Zemmour's vote goes to Le Pen and all of Jadot's vote goes to um, Macron, then it's going to be close. It's going to go right down to the wire. Which is why these two weeks are the most important political weeks for Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron, because this will decide where the presidency goes. If Emmanuel Macron can make the debate about Russia, maybe some of Marine Le Pen's links to Putin and support for Putin can be brought out into the open. If Marine Le Pen wants to try and focus on all the different protests that have happened at Emmanuel Macron's expense over the course of his first five years in office, then maybe this election swings the way of Marine Le Pen rather than Emmanuel Macron. Because we are very tight right now. Very, very tight in terms of the polls. It is within almost every poll's margin of error right now, that Marine Le Pen could win this election. Which is a worry to a lot of people in France. That's where Macron will win the election if he does. Do exactly what he did in 2017. You can't seriously be thinking of voting for her. Look at her party. Back then it was called Front National, now it's called Rassemblement National. It's a change of name, but it's not a change of identity. They stand for almost the same things. A lot of what Marine Le Pen has been promising in her election campaign is almost unachievable due to French law that's currently standing that she wouldn't be able to win the legislative election to overturn or due to European Union law, which she probably wouldn't be able to pull France out of without either a referendum or the support of legislature, which she probably won't be able to win in an election. This is a big, big fortnight for France. 20 years on from Jacques Chirac winning his re-election, Macron has the chance to be the first president since Chirac to be re-elected. Ironically, he's against Marine Le Pen. Because who was Chirac facing when he was re-elected in 2002? That's right, Marine's father, Jean-Marie. Front National, as it was then, Rassemblement National as it is now, is a force to be reckoned with. Now, alright, back in 2002, Jean-Marie Le Pen might only have got in because of the abstentionism in the first round. That's why he, he beat Parti Socialiste and other major parties to Chirac's runoff. But this time, Le Pen has done a good job. We might not agree with her, her policies, but she's done a very good job of changing how some people think of the party, of Rassemblement National. She's cleansed part of her father's image. Some would say it's window dressing. Some have a point to a couple of substantive changes within the constitution of the party. But Macron has changed French politics. He's sunk the ships of Les Républicains and Parti Socialiste in one go. Over the course of two election cycles, both of the major parties in French politics have been reduced to single-digit polling figures. At elections. Not just polls, at elections. Macron changed the game. Is it time for Le Pen to win it?
We'll have to find out on Sunday, the 24th of April, 2022. Because that is when France goes to the polls again and we find out who was right all along. That is it for this first episode of Election Watch. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Like I said, I'm not quite sure how regular these episodes are going to be, but we'll try and and keep them fairly regular. I'd like to try and make them weekly if I can. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some guests on in the near future. Maybe some commentators, maybe some people who are involved in elections we're going to be covering, some candidates. Who knows? But thank you very much for listening. if you liked this podcast, please do give it a rating. If you can find where to rate it on the particular platform you are listening to, give it a share as well, uh, because the more shares we get, the more people get to listen in. If you have any ideas for elections you want to see us cover on future episodes, please do get in touch. Let us know what you want to see covered. Any ideas for stories as well, please do drop us a message. At the moment, let's go through all the politics unboxed emails, because I'm pretty sure we'll end up with a new election watch one. But for now, it's at politics.unbox on Instagram, at politicsu on Twitter, politicsunboxed on Facebook, or politics.unboxed at outlook.com on email. Thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode of Election Watch. And until then, goodbye. Election Watch.